so this is a little different, and I told our 9 o'clock service this, and I'll tell you guys this. This, this is not a series that we're starting. Um, it may have kind of seemed like it, but it's not. What I'm doing is I want to get you guys ready for a series that we're actually going to be doing in November. Um, but I figured before we do this series in, new, in November that we're actually going to be calling for the future, um, I feel like it's my job to get your hearts postured in the right place before we talk about some of those things. Now, for those of you who don't know, about two days ago, we actually celebrated our four-year anniversary here as a church. How many know that's just so exciting? Um, there's so, there's, in the last four years, it's just crazy to look back to see what God is doing. It's also crazy to look back four years ago and, and just at myself and go, I had no idea what I was doing. Thank you, God, for showing up. And um, so it's so cool to see all the life transformation and all the marriages that have been transformed and people's lives that have been transformed. And at the end of the day, that's why we do it. It's not so that we can hold a Sunday service. It's not so that we can have a name. It's not so that we can have a title. At the end of the day, we want to see people's lives transformed, right? And um, so here's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about what does it look like not to just be a church that has longevity, but a church that has a legacy, um, a few years ago, I had the opportunity to go and, um, well, actually, the past two years, I've had the opportunity to go to England, and uh, they have some of the most beautiful churches in England, and um, they are so excited to show you everything that they have to offer. You, you can walk in the churches, and they have tour guides, and they'll give you a history lesson about the buildings and how long that they've been here, and I noticed something, that a lot of churches have longevity, but they don't have a legacy. A lot of churches have been there for hundreds of years, but with like three or four people left. And there's nothing that has been passed down to the next generation. There's no vision, there's no fresh future, and there's nothing to look forward to other than just a cool monument that people have built. And I pray that that is not us. Because here's the truth, I have no interest in being a part of a church that has longevity. I want to be a part of a church that makes a difference in this community, and it's something that we can pass down to our kids, and they pass it down to their kids. Because I want you to understand this, this is not my church. At the end of the day, this is your church. Because when Jesus calls, when he's specifically talking about the local church, I want you to understand he's talking about you. Here's the challenge with us, is all of us in life are vessels. And I didn't get to share this, this scripture um, in, in the morning service, but it just came to me as I was praying for you guys and praying over this service. And I want to share this because every single one of us is an empty vessel. And we get to choose what we fill our life with. And the truth is, in difficulty, in hard times, um, oftentimes it's so easy to choose to fill our life with things that are comfortable. It's so easy to choose to fill our life with just kind of zoning out or whatever it may be. And I want you to notice what the scripture says in this 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And it says, we now have this light shining in our hearts. It's this idea that God has saved you. And you've been forgiven of much. He's given you this great grace, this great mercy. But watch this. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. What does that mean? It means that we have been given the greatest news on the face of the earth that God loves us. He cares about us. And he's pulled us out of our mess. He's saved us. But he's also saying you're like clay and it's very fragile and life can be difficult. And if you're not careful, it's easy for you to be shattered. It's so easy for us to get our eyes on the wrong things, but watch this. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. 
So you can look at your life and go, why does life seem so fragile sometimes? God allows it to be that way because he wants you to understand that every time he works in your life, you can attribute it back to him and not back to yourself. And that's difficult sometimes because I don't know about you. When I do something well, I'm pretty quick to take credit for it, right? (laughs) Man, who made this? Me. (laughs) Who did this? Me. But God wants us to understand that when life seems fragile, that we have this understanding that we can lean on him because when he comes through, it doesn't matter how fragile life is, we can attribute it back to him that, man, I don't know how this happened, but God just came through. Watch what verse 8 says. I love this. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. Listen, you you may be dealing with tragedy, you may be dealing with hardship, but this New Testament writer is saying, listen, you may be perplexed, you may be driven to despair, but if your hope is in Jesus, it doesn't have to determine your perspective in life. Now watch this. Verse 10, through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. So I want you to understand this this morning. We are all fragile vessels and we have a choice of what we fill that clay pot with. What do we do with that? What do we do with that empty jar? That empty vessel we have a choice to make today because I don't know about you, But it's so easy as Christians to come here in a place like this and have this consumeristic mentality that I'm here for myself, I need to get a word from God, I need to hear God. And listen, all those things are great, but I'm here to tell you this morning that it has to move beyond that. It has to move beyond that, because here's the truth. When your life seems out of order, when you feel like you don't have a purpose, it's usually an indication that you're only living it for yourself and you don't see beyond yourself. See, a lot of churches have longevity, and meaning they have a building, but there's no hope, there's no peace, there's not the power of the resurrecting Jesus living inside of that. There's no vision for the future. See, the goal in this life is not to live forever on earth, but to leave something behind that does. So I don't know if you know this, I mean, we all have names that I could throw out there and you would remember them. You know, if I threw out George Washington, everybody knows who that is, first president of the United States, right? But then there's also names that you would hear of that you've never heard of. And and here's the truth. It's not about your name living forever. It's about you doing something significant with your life that that legacy lives on forever. And I want you to understand that's what we are called to be a part of as a church. As a church, and I I said this at 9 o'clock, what would it look like If we decided to pack up, leave this city, would it be affected? Have we said, you know what, we are a people that is going to look outside of ourselves, beyond ourselves, and go, you know what, I want to leave a legacy. I want to step outside of my comfort zone and leave something behind. I don't know about you, but when I look at this church, I don't want it just to be about the here and now, but I want to leave something behind for my kids. I want my kids to be able to grow up one day and say, man, that was a church that invested in me, cared about me, discipled me, taught me how to serve, taught me how to love, taught me how to give. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to John chapter 12, verse 1 through 6. If you don't, we've got a huge one right there up on the screen. John 6, and this will kind of set up what I want to talk about this morning. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was whom Jesus has raised from the dead. Anybody remember that story? 
So this guy is at the party that Jesus is at, okay? Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Now let me set this scene up, because I want to give you a good idea of what's going on here. This is the equivalent of a bunch of people coming over to your house, and you having a crawfish boil, LSU's on the screen, right? Did they win last night? They did? Great. I don't care about football. So anyway, but... um, (laughs) Some would say that's not Christian, but I I guess, you know, we'll figure that out. Um, So I want you to understand the setting going on. They're celebrating. Lazarus was dead. He's alive. And so what do we do in Louisiana when we celebrate? We eat, right? (laughs) Come over to my house. Let's eat. Let's celebrate. So all these people are over at Mary's house, and they're just celebrating. They're having a good time. Lazarus was dead, and now he's alive. Now Martha and Lazarus was the one reclining at the table. Verse 3. Mary took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard, which is like an oil, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. So it's this awkward kind of scene. People are just having a good... Have you ever been at like this family gathering where you're just having a good time and you have that one relative that just makes a scene and you're like, what are you doing? Right? You ever that one gathering where you're like, I hope uncle so-and-so does not show up. It was kind of this... They're all enjoying themselves, having a good time, and then all of a sudden she breaks open this oil, pours it all over Jesus' feet, and starts wiping it with her hair. The house was filled with the fragments of the perfume, but Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? But Jesus said, I love this, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing for me, for you will always have the poor with you, and whatever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. Verse 8, this is what I want to center the entire message around for the rest of the morning. She has done what she could. Now let me back up a little bit, because in the verses before, they're at this party, and they're all chatting, and they're talking, and Jesus starts prophesying about his death. He starts talking about, hey, I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to die. And Mary is the only one that catches what Jesus is talking about. So all of a sudden she leans in and goes, oh, hold on. Jesus is talking about he's going to die. So she has this thing that rises up inside of her. How do I express to Jesus my love and compassion to him for what he's about to do? In verse 9, and truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed, this is Jesus talking, in the whole world, What she has done will be told in memory of her. So this passage is a picture of extravagant love. She did what she could. I love that line. Because what I want to talk to you about today is leaving a legacy. And what Jesus says in this scripture, he says, what you have done today because you leaned in, because you listened to what I was saying. He said, people thousands of years will continue to talk about what you have done. Now, I don't know if you know this, but when you love somebody, it usually causes you to do something, right? So think back, husbands, wives, when you were dating your wife, or when you were dating your husband. You remember, like, especially men, like, probably some of the dumbest things you've done in your life was trying to win over your wife, right? (laughs) Was you trying to impress her? Was you trying to do something? I remember when I first fell in love with Claire, I was willing to do anything to win her over. I used to live, when we were dating, I used to live in Lafayette, and Claire was living in Jennings at the time. 
And we used to meet up every Friday, and we'd park at that, that Albertsons right off of Evangeline Thruway, and she'd get in my car, and we'd spend the, the night together and just have a good time. And um, I remember one night, it was probably 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning, and I'm dropping her back off at the car. I'm so, I'm just so tired. And if you've ever been on Evangeline Thruway, they have a, a lane that goes one way, and then there's a median, and the lane that goes one way. It's not, and I was so tired, I got on the lane that was going this way, and I'm like honking at everybody, thinking everybody else is going the wrong way, right? And then I realize, I see a sign that says wrong way. I'm like, oh my God, and I turn around. And when you love somebody, you're willing to do things, watch this, that go outside of your comfort zone, don't you? So what, I mean, this causes you to say things that you would never really say to another person. This causes you to sing a karaoke song when you don't even sing, but you want to impress your wife, right? This causes you to do things that you've never done before. Why? Because you love somebody. Because you passionately love this person. This is what causes men to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and go to Walmart and get Nutella for their wife when they're pregnant, right? <laughs> true story is she here (laughs) no she's not all right um but here's what i want you to understand love causes you to do something and if you don't do something about love you don't really love that person and so here's what i want you to understand when we fall in love with jesus because we understand who he is and what he has done for us we can no longer just sit in these seats It causes us to do something. So it causes us to get outside of ourselves. where Sunday is no longer just about us, but it says, God, how can I be a part of this? How can I give? How can I join in on this mission? Mary was so in love with Jesus that she poured an entire bottle of perfume over his feet. In this culture, this was just a sign of honor. Now, I want you to understand something. When she cracked open that bottle of perfume, it was one year worth of salary. A year. So imagine everything that you make an entire, for some of you, you're like, that's not much. (laughs) But imagine the entire salary that you make an entire year. It's all in that oil. And she makes a decision to say, I'm giving it to Jesus. And I love what the scriptures say. It says, she did what she could. I want you to notice something. Mary's decision changed the entire atmosphere around her. Where people were all of a sudden, they were just enjoying their time, having a party, to all of a sudden realizing and seeing this great act of compassion. And I had to believe that it changed the perspective of the people in the room. It went from cold and bitter Judas to going, why would you do that? To all of a sudden people understanding what was happening. And Jesus saying, stories will be told of your life. See, when you give or you serve, you're choosing to think kingdom rather than self. You're choosing to change the region. You're choosing to change the atmosphere. What would it look like if we were a church that said, you know what, we're no longer just about us. We need to step outside of ourselves. And what would it look like if we were to serve relentlessly and sacrificially? Here's what I want you to understand. It's not about longevity. It's about legacy. It's not about longevity, it's about legacy. And that's how we have to start thinking about the church. What are you going to leave behind? 
What are your kids going to say about your marriage? What are your kids going to say about your family? What are your kids going to say about the involvement that you had here at this church? See, Mary understood that Jesus loved her with an, an extravagant love, and the only response that she knew how to have was to love him back extravagantly. So throughout this story, we see a series of choices that are made by Judas and Mary. Now, I want you to understand something. Both of them were in the same environment, but they both made different choices. Both of them were in the same, they were around the same Jesus, but they had different perspectives. It looks a lot like Sunday morning, where some of us can come in here and go, yeah, that's great, all right, I'm out. But what would it look like if we came in here and we said, God, what what do you want to do in me? We open up our hearts to the possibility of God actually using us. And some of us we shy away from being used by God because we think that I'm not, I'm not enough or I'm too broken. That's why I read the verse in the beginning. We're all fragile vessels. And that is the reason that God chooses to use us. Because when he does use us, then we can look back and say, it wasn't us. It was God all along. So I want to look at two different things, two different choices, two different people in this story. Judas. Number one, the first thing that we see was he was a controller. How many of you ever have those people that just, they like to control their life and everybody else's life around them? You know? They, they'll organize their life and your life if you're not careful. <laughs> Here's what I've learned. A controlling spirit does not allow the story to play out as it ought to sometimes. Because here's what I have learned about love over the years. When you truly love somebody, how many of you, like, and th- I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but how many of you like to think, th- think things through? You're like an analytical thinker. You process through every- anything. You- so you like control. Okay, let's just be honest. Just admit it. Okay? But here's, here's, here's what's crazy about love. Is love doesn't make any sense. Love cannot be rationalized sometimes. Because when you love somebody, sometimes it just compels you to do something in the moment that may not really benefit you. Right? So when you look at love and following Jesus, sometimes that's what it looks like. If you are a controller, sometimes it doesn't let the story play out. That's exactly what Judas was doing. If Judas was to make the decision, he would have never broke open the oil. He said, no, 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 just keep it there. The second thing was he was a complainer. So when he saw that Mary actually went in to break the oil, what does he, he starts doing? What does he start complaining about? I can't believe you just broke that open. That is one year worth of salary. How dare you? Let me fill you in on something. Every time you choose to do the right thing, there's always going to be haters. Every time you choose to do the right thing, there's always going to be somebody that says, I can't believe that you did that. So here's what we have to learn. We've got to stop complaining about the haters because it just gives them more power. How many of you have lived your life based on the complaints of other people? Trying to please people that you don't really care about anyway? <laughs> he was a complainer. The third thing he was is he was a consumer. He had so much fear about tomorrow, he actually became a thief. He had so much fear about tomorrow that he actually, what did he do? He betrayed Jesus for 30 coins, 30 shekels of silver. And here's what's crazy about that story, if you think about it. This is Judas who's selling Jesus out, who is, as we understand him, Jesus is the one that provides and takes care of all of our needs. He was in that presence constantly. But because he had the wrong perspective, he chose the wrong path. 
Because he was all about consuming. He was all about complaining. He was all about controlling. What's going to happen tomorrow? I'm just going to take matters into my own, my own hands. And Judas's story ends tragically. There's no great story to tell. There's nothing to leave behind. There's no legacy. Then if you look at Mary, something is so much different about her story. She was caring. So she notices that the one who is in the room is talking about his death, that Jesus is foretelling that he's about to go to the cross. And so what does she do? She doesn't think logically. She just understands, I have to do something. Here's what I believe, especially if you've grown up in church, where so many Christians get paralyzed. As I said, like, sometimes love doesn't make logical sense. So Mary just knew in this moment, I have to do something for Jesus because he's about to do something great for all of us and I want to express my love for him. She doesn't pray about it. She doesn't ask people about it. She just does it. And here's what happens too many times in the church world. We feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit leading us to do something and we go, I just need to pray about it. When you don't really pray about anything in your life already, right? And sometimes we're so spiritual about things that we're more spiritual than Jesus that we end up not doing anything. Does that make sense? Here's what I want you to understand. If we are generous with our life, it has the ability to open up the voice of God in our life. If you, want, if you have been in this dry season where you're just like, man, I feel like I can't hear God, start living a life that goes beyond you. See, when your eyes get off of yourself and you start focusing on how do I live this life on purpose, you start hearing the voice of God. The second thing that we see with Mary is she was a contributor. She doesn't cling to her things. She gives what she has to give the glory to Jesus. And I love that line in there where Jesus says she did what she could. So that's kind of the moral of the story. It's like Jesus is saying, hey, what can you do to be a part of this? She did what she could. Because she valued the kingdom more than her stuff, she left a legacy. She created a lasting legacy. Isn't it kind of crazy to think that this is a story that played out a little over 2,000 years ago and we're still talking about it today? I mean, there, I would have to bet there's probably been millions of sermons that have been shared about Mary about this one story. One act of generosity changed the way generations would talk about her. Hear Jesus' words again. He said, And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Mary's life impacted eternity. Mary's life made a difference. And what did she do? One simple act of generosity. And listen, I know that there's all kinds of walks of life in here, and we all have different capacities, and that's why I love how Jesus puts it. He says, just do what you can. If we're going to leave a legacy and not just be a church that, le- that has longevity, if we're going to leave a legacy, it is going to require us getting outside of ourselves. But here's what happens. Oftentimes, we allow our environment to determine our trust in Jesus. So if life is going bad, then we totally go inward and we start focusing on ourselves, right? Then we start saying things like, well, when things get better, then I'll serve the Lord. Can I be honest with you? There's some of you that have been in here long enough. You've been kicking the tires long enough, and Jesus is just waiting. 
There's no more prayers to pray. There's no more people that you need to ask questions. Listen, some of you just need to jump. <laughs> just go for it. Can I, can I be honest with you? A lot of times we try to relegate things to it's just not the right timing. When is it ever the right timing? I mean, in the world that we live in now, when is it ever the right time? When is life never not going to be busy? It's never the right time. So I just want to challenge some of you, and maybe this is for one person, maybe this is for a bunch of you. If you've been here a long time and you're just kind of kicking the tires and I just, you've just been kind of testing it out, God's calling you out this morning. He's saying, hey, listen, you've sat long enough and I have so much more for you if you would just dive in. And listen, I know some of you, you have all kinds of fears. There's all kinds of fears of like, well, what if I fail? What if I make a mistake? What if, what if I'm not good enough? Go back to the scripture that I've just read the beginning of this this morning, 2 Corinthians. We're all fragile pots. And God entrusts us with this great story, knowing that we're flawed, that we're going to make mistakes, that we're not always going to be perfect. But yet he still entrusts us to do this thing. I'll be honest with you, and I told the 9 o'clock service, this year, hands down, has been the hardest year that my wife and I have ever walked through. It's been just one of the most difficult years, one thing after another. All the cancer stuff with my dad, and then two weeks ago, her dad had a major heart attack, had open heart surgery. Crazy stuff going on this year. But you know what's crazy about this year? Even though it's been one of the most difficult years of my life, I have never been closer to Jesus than I am right now. And I'll tell you why. It's not because I have it all figured out. It's not because I'm a pastor. I, I bleed just like you do, <laughs> okay? I'll tell you why. Because it's one of the first times that have gone through such hardship where I've chosen to go, you know what? The only thing that I can control, even though I can't control my circumstances, I can't control my perspective. And God, I don't know why all this is happening, but I do know that you have a purpose in it. And I'm going to choose not to fall off the map. I'm going to choose to focus my eyes on you. I'm going to choose to proclaim, like the scriptures say, that you are still good, even in suffering and even in hard times. It's so easy when we when we have our environments that kind of go haywire, when we have circumstances that get out of control, for us to do what? For us to just pull back? I just need some time to figure some things out. No, no, I'll tell you this. The worst thing that you can do when you are suffering and when you are going through hard times is isolate yourself. Because there's a few things that breed in isolation. Loneliness. You start believing your own lies. And now there's nobody to call it out. You start believing everything that the enemy says about you, and then guess what? You start looking at the world, it's hopeless, nobody cares about you, and, and here's the truth. That is yourself talking, and there's nobody to call it out. Here's what's crazy. One of the best things that you can do when you're suffering and going through hard times is to do the very thing that you think that you don't need to do. Get around people. Start opening up your heart. This is where I'm at. This is what I'm dealing with. Ryan's going to talk about it at the end of the service. We'll be kicking off life groups at the end of the month. Like some of you, I'm telling you this, and not just because I'm a pastor, not just because we, we see this as a value in the church, but you just need this as a human being. Some of these life groups that are coming up, some of you need this to save your life. Because you've done life too long by yourself. Here's what happens in nice, you start believing all your own lies, anxiety sets in, depression sets in, all these things. 
So here's what you've got to do. You have to, start, you have to stop telling yourself that you can't. And there may be situations in your life where you can't, but I want you to be reminded of something God can. So you may look at the circumstances of your life and go, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Can I tell you this? God's not walking around in heaven going, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to do this for them. He's not nervous about your situation. He's not freaking out. He's not anxious. He's not depressed. He's looking at your situation and just going, Man, if you would just do what you can, I'll release something on you. Can I just be honest with you? Every time that I had clearly heard the voice of God and every time that God has come through for me is when I have finally surrendered. <laughs> when I've finally gotten to the place where I'm just like, all right, God, I'm done fighting. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes surrender means I'll accept the consequences for my actions. I'll accept embarrassment. I'll have to confess things. I'll have to walk through some stuff. But man, God is so good when I simply just surrender. So here's what I want you to understand this morning. Before we go into this legacy series in November, we have to be a church that understands the heartbeat of God. That we are called to live a life that leaves a legacy. Listen, some of you have the opportunity to break a curse that is in your family. Do you realize that? Like, some of you have the opportunity, maybe your parents didn't stay together. Well, now you have the opportunity to make it right. Maybe some of the kids in your family, maybe they never went off to do anything. You have the opportunity to make it right. What would it look like if you said, you know what, it starts with me right here. I'm driving a stake in the ground and I'm done with the enemy allowing him to have full control over my family. The only way that you get to that place is start living a life that goes beyond you. So what does that look like practically? You start doing what you can. So for some of you, it's giving. It's being generous with what, what God has given you. And I remember when we first started this church, I, I hated talking about giving because I hated the idea of like, people were like, oh, that's just another church talking about money. Can I be honest with you? There's one thing in the scriptures that Jesus talks about more than anything else, and it's money. Can I be honest with you? And it's not to line the church's pockets because he understands one thing. Money is the only thing that has the ability to possess your heart like nothing else on this earth. So he talks about it. So he talks about it over and over and over. I'll be honest with you, because a lot of us can live our lives to worship another dollar. Right? We will cheat, we will steal, we will run people over to make some more money. We, we do it all. And so Jesus is saying this. He's saying you have to learn to be generous with what you have because it brings you to an understanding that what you have is not yours anyway. You're just a steward of it. And you say, well, well I, I work for it. Who gave you the ability to work for it? Who's giving you another day to be able to do what you're doing? Well, I have these skills. How'd you get those skills? Like every, every breath that we take on this little blue dot that we call earth is another gracious moment that God gives us. And that's not a grim reality, it's just the truth. So some of us, it starts with generosity. It starts with going, God, I have to trust you with my finances. If your finances are a wreck right now, it's probably because you're not trusting God and you're trying to do it on your own. It's just the truth. For the, the next practical thing is going, hey, I don't know if you know this, but um, starting a church has been one of the most exciting things that myself and our team has done. It's also the hardest thing that we've ever done. So for some of you, this has to become not a place that you sit, but this has to become your home. And so here's what I mean by that. How many of you have ever rented a car? 
Now, when you rent a car, how many drive it like a maniac? Let's just be honest. I do. I'm like, let's see what this baby has. <laughs> you know? I mean, you eat in that car. You could spill in that car. You don't care. Why? It's not yours. You get to give it back, and they get to clean it. And it's, this is real bad for me, because I turn the van back in. I'm like, sorry, they just had six kids in this thing. I feel bad for you. <laughs> right? Why do we do that? We have that mentality because it's rented. It's not ours. Now, what about your car? The car that you worked hard for, you paid a lot of money for. And you have kids get in, you're like, nope, throw that drink away. You're not coming in here with those french fries. It's a whole different mentality. Why? It's yours. Can I just be honest with you? Some of you have to move from a renter mentality when we look at this church to an owner. Because here's what this is. This is not my church. This is your church. And so it moves us to a place to say, God, what do I need to do to advance your kingdom? Because when you are doing his work, listen to me, your life makes sense. So, there's so many of us floating around like, I don't know my purpose. I don't know my worth. God say, man, just get involved with what I'm doing. You'll figure that out. I refuse to allow the down times of my life to dictate the life that I live. Because God has always been faithful to me even when I want to quit. God has always been faithful to me even when I saw no way out, but he did. And the truth is, you want to know one of the things that keeps me going? Hearing these stories. Marriages that have been transformed, people that have come in here for the first time, and God's finally speaking to them, and lives that have been transformed, people that have been saved. It's incredible to see all that God has done in the past four years. And I never want to forget that there's more to this life than this life that you're living right now. Like the decisions that you make here on this earth impact your eternity. And the truth is, in short of it, I want to leave a legacy that outlived this short life that I have here on this earth. Some of us live like we're going to live forever. And the truth is, there's a sense of that, and it's true. If we have surrendered and submitted our life to Jesus, we will live forever in eternity. So you only got 80, 90, 60, however long you have to make a dent here. And listen, I'm not saying that you have to aspire to be, like, maybe you'll never be a CEO. Maybe, and that, that's Okay. The greatest legacy that you could live is when you die that your kids could say that was a man of God, that was a man who pursued Jesus, he taught me how to live, and that, that, that's it. That's it. I mean, the cool thing about my dad, he's literally the first one in his family that has stayed married. First one. He's the first one in his family that chose to serve the Lord. And then I look at my life, my kid's life, I'm like, man, they'll never have to know what he had to know. Why? Legacy. So I just want to challenge you, because in November, we're going to be talking about where are we at with a building. How many of you guys would love a building? So, some of you, awesome. We're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about what the future looks like, where we're going, what God's doing. I'm going to share some exciting stuff with you. We're going to do this as an entire church, so that means all of our locations will be doing the same series, which rarely ever happens. So Jennings, Crowley, Eunice, we're all doing it. And we're going to share some exciting things that are going on here. But listen, we can't even talk about that 
until we understand that the heartbeat of this church and God's heartbeat is for us to live a life that goes beyond us. That this motto would kind of be like, why are you doing what you're doing for the future? Why do we do what we do for the future? For the people that will sit in these seats that you'll never shake hands with. For the people that will sit in these seats that you'll never know. But their lives will be transformed because you made a decision to go outside of yourselves. Crowley is here today because people had a legacy mentality. Two churches that gave us $200,000 to start this church and many of them have never sat in these seats. Why would people give to do that? Because they understand it's not about building my house, it's about building the kingdom. Hundreds of people's lives have been transformed in this church because we've chosen legacy. And I don't know about you, but I want to be like Mary. I just want to do what I can. I just want to do what I can. What can I do to make the most of this life? Because there's so many things in culture that want your attention. So many things. And so stepping, uh, taking a step back and going, man, God, what can I do to make an impact here on this earth? What can I do to make a difference? And so I just want to challenge you with a few things before Ryan comes up here and closes the service. Number one, if you don't give here, I want to challenge you to start doing that. Because here's the truth. We cannot move forward and do what God has called us to do until everybody sees this as their home. Because listen, when it's your home, you invest into it, right? And I want to encourage you, man, if you're not serving somewhere, jump on a team. Find a team. After this service is over, head over to our Connect table. You'll find a little blue card. Write your name on it. Give us your phone number. Flip the card over and just write what team you like to serve on. We'll have somebody get you, get connected with you this week, and we'll put you on a team. And listen, can I be honest with you? All those things are not for us. It's more for you than it is for us. Because <laughs> your life changes when you do it with other people. And all those things get you connected with other people. So I'll close with this. What will people say about this church 100 years from now? Will we clap and applaud that we built a building, finally? <laughs> will we clap and applaud that we have a space that we can put our logo on and our sign? But I think in eternity, that kind of stuff really doesn't matter. I want to be able to leave this place one day and people can say, that was a church that loved this city. That was a church that was for this city. That was a church when I walked in, man, I just felt, I felt like I belonged. Felt like people knew who I was. I felt like people leaned in. They cared about my situation, my circumstances. People loved me regardless of who I was or what I walked through. It was a church that served the city and that the city would genuinely mourn if we packed up and left. Like they would feel the impact. That's what the entire book of Acts is about. Churches literally changing the economy that they were in. Changing the environment of the city. That's what we are. We're here to bring this city hope. I don't want to just be another church to be another church. I want to be a church that makes an impact here on this city. And the best news in the world is you have an opportunity to be a part of that.